Thanks for listening to the Youthology Podcast with Jeff Grinnell. Be sure to check out all of our available resources on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or online at youthology.com. Now, let's jump into the podcast. I think there are some universal principles with sermon prep that all of us understand. Whether that's research and collaborative teams, I'll kind of go over that in a minute. Whether that is uh, using a sermon planning series from somebody else and making it your own. There are so many different ways to do it. You could go topical. Some sermons, uh, 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 sermon series are strictly thematic. Or uh, maybe you, you are taking a whole book of a Bible uh, of the Bible, and you're looking at that for a month or something. You know, there, there's all different types or kinds of ways to do do that. Um, what I want to do is maybe give you some resources in putting the sermon together. So I don't want to deal with each of those individually. So whatever you, whatever your style or your your form is, I want to give you uh, about seven or eight things that you can do in organizing the sermon in whatever style you are going to use, okay? So, here's the first principle. I think that you should set aside at least, okay, this is at least 15 hours a week for sermon prep, okay? Now, think about that as a volunteer. Maybe it's more difficult for the volunteers who have to do that because now you have, you know, all these other things uh, that you're doing. Well, remember, it's not a whole lot different between the volunteer and the full-time because the full-time staff has a lot more than sermon planning going on and has the family and the children, you know, right, uh, the community involvements that, that the volunteer has. So oftentimes when we, do, when we deal with this kind of a topic, some people will be like, well, you know, the volunteer, there's no way I can do that. And the, uh, the, the full-time person, right, they have so much more time than I well, I think it really meets in the middle, to be honest, because if you understand the responsibility, um, as Isaiah was saying just a few minutes ago, uh, before some of you came on, he's handling all of the tech now at the church. And so many of you have multiple roles that you play, switching on the hat, on and off, right? And, and so th- that eats up your time too. It's not like just because you're full-time, you, can, you have all of this time now, 40 hours a week that you work, 60 hours a week that you work to do sermon planning. That's, it's a lot more to it. So what I've always said is I think 15 to 20 hours, I always committed 20. I put that time into my schedule. Like my admin, I was, I was fortunate enough to be full-time and I had an admin in every setting that I was in. And so that, that person knew what was going on. If people called and I was in, you know, sermon prep time, I wasn't, you know, interrupted or anything. So it, it helped to do that four hours a day and then four hours a day. And then uh, on Fridays was all sermon prep day, the whole day. So look, looking at your week, you may have to do some better time management maybe than you are doing. One of the questions said, I'm wasting too much time. Help me with this, you know. So... I think that sometimes our day runs us when we should be running our day. You know how simple that is. And so 
Look at your four days or five days that you're working, okay? For those of you that are volunteer, you've got seven days maybe that, you know, maybe two days off where you don't necessarily have to be at, at, you know, at the church or whatever. And write in, schedule in that time, um, 15 to 20 hours. Second, um, collaboration. I think this is critical this is critical for several reasons. What I mean by collaboration is to have a sermon prep team so that you are not the only one uh, writing the sermons every week. Think about that. If, if it's all your language and it's, and it's all your uh, words and your study, your favorite verses, your uh, style, okay, then that can become predictable and familiar and you lose the mystery to it, okay? You lose a lot of mystery um, to this. And I think, to be honest, it becomes awfully like one-sided and um, it's not as educational, it's not as broad that, uh, as a thought pattern or uh, planning as the students deserve, okay? Think about this. You have a collaborative team that exists. This is how we did it. We had two junior high students. We had four high school students. We had basically one student in every grade that was on that team. And then we had a, a couple of adults uh, and interns. So that team made up, I don't know, eight to 10 people. But think of just the makeup and the diversity of that team and what they bring to your sermon planning the different eyes that a junior high student has versus an intern, the different eyes that a, a female sophomore, you know, has and a young adult leader, you know, or a married person that was on the team. I've had the, a married person on the team. So in each one of those um, mindsets, they're bringing to your sermon planning a whole different kind of language, a different view of the world, a different view of that scripture. Maybe somebody was saved recently and they don't have a, a church history that somebody else has that's on the team, okay? So what happens is with the collaborative team, you assure yourself of, um, of diversity of thought, uh, diversity of background, okay? And so what we did is we met every fall and we planned that next year out. And what happened was, we had a few themes and topics that we wanted to cover every year. Pretty basic. We had a few of those themes that we covered every year. And then we would throw in key themes that we felt like uh, were needed um, aside from that. So even though we had three or four things we talked about every year, let's say relationships in February, right? Or vision in January. Or even back to school and evangelism or whatever, okay? All of those kind of topics that maybe were uh, reciprocal and universal every year, even though that was only three or four topics, now here's a whole bunch of other series or even uh, standalones. We created four or five standalones, sometimes between series. So now I've got all this extra thought and not me just sitting down going, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, I'm not sure what, what, calling somebody else, what are you preaching on? You know, or whatever. So, um, I think that collaborative team brings a lot of um, 
mystery to it also. Just there's more education in the room, more thought in the room, okay? Number three, tools. Let me give you some tools. I wrote these down today, kind of prepping for this. Um, let me give you some tools that I think every single youth leader needs to have in putting together uh, a sermon. Uh, number one, a commentary set. Second, an expository dictionary uh, for, uh, of New Testament words. If you haven't seen one of those, critical. And I'll, I'll, I'll post these on, your ma on the manuscript also, so you'll be able to have these. Um, manners and customs of the Bible. Man, uh, give me a thumbs up if you've, got, if you've ever seen that or heard of that or used manners and customs of the Bible. Good. Uh, I saw two, maybe three. Good. Um, I'm telling you, this is a critical tool for you to use because it basically takes a, it's a breakdown of the first century um, customs and manners as you read the text and why certain things meant, you know, something. Really good. The Hebrew and Greek lexicon, um, social media platforms, okay? And what I mean by that is all kinds of social media platforms that you could be researching. Now, what I would do is take somebody on that collaborative team and have them research some of the topics that other youth ministries are, are, are speaking on. Listen, let me parenthetically say this. You have to get a word from God. You guys know what I'm saying. You have to hear, you gotta hear from God or it's not gonna be very passionate. It's not gonna be uh, you know, as meaningful. But there's great leverage that you can get in the entire kingdom, in the holistic view, by looking at what other people are doing. And how many of you have seen that oftentimes, maybe you've put together a series and thought, man, this is it. This one is the sauce. It's going to happen. And then you realize, wow, four of my friends are preaching on that too, and we didn't even talk. <laughs> so I think there's ways, things that you can learn from that. But So being able to search social media platforms um, is, is great. Uh, and then finally, uh, and I'm going to have some of you throw in on this in a minute. And then finally... You need a person who has been uh, at the topic that you're going to, to speak on. So let's say it's relationships. You need a professional each time that you're putting together, together a series who's either preached on that or has a book on that that you could call, that you could email questions to. Because hear me, what oftentimes can happen if we're not uh, going to the university around us the university of education around us, what can happen is it's our same language and our same thought patterns. We pull out, listen, because I know, man, I've been there. We pull out the notes from the last series and we just kind of update a little bit and throw a few new things in there, okay, if you've been at this for a while. So what can happen is if you get a professional and you get somebody who's really learned on that topic, then they can kind of open your eyes up and give you um, some, uh, you know, modern, contemporary a professional look at that topic, okay? Um, and then uh, a fourth thing, let me give you this one. Um, create an atmosphere for study. And I know we said in that first one, 15 to 20 minutes, or 15 to 20 hours in that week, I think that at least three hours, and this is what I've tried to do. To be honest, I do now, in the stage I'm in now, I can do this more. I always try to get myself at least three hours where there's no distraction whatsoever. It's, um, and it's worship, and I'm, going, and I'm going through, after I've done a lot of the prep, 
and I pray over my message and I pray over myself. I pray over the setting that I might be going to at the camp or the convention or the youth leader setting or you know whatever, those kind of things. Today I spent about 30 minutes when I was alone here in my apartment, my, my, my boy's with me, but he was out for a little bit and I spent 30 minutes, I turned worship on and I just said, okay, God, what is it that you want me to say to these leaders today about these questions, right? So you need to find that time where you are uh, not distracted. So setting, that, that would be a comfortable setting. Now, listen, I know, I know y'all, you young, you young bucks, man. You like to go to the Starbucks or the, you know, whatever, right? And sit in the cafe and study and put the headphones on and all that. That's fantastic for research, but it's not for uh, prepping your heart and being able to worship, right? So just make sure under that last area that the setting is, um, is conducive for study and just that whole spiritual atmosphere or part of it, okay? Then I want to throw in, so those are four. I want to throw in another one that related to the question that was some, similar to this, and that was this. Um, content or context, which one is more important? Content or context? <laughs> oh, I love this question, man, because content is where the theologians kind of rest, don't they? Content heavy, man. We've got to produce content. And context is where maybe sometimes, and I'm, I'm going I'm to generalize with this statement, context is where maybe the rookie, the person that's not as... Um, the context for the rookie is maybe more important because they're more, they're more concerned about the setting and the lights and the planning and the video and the pre-event, you know, all of those kind of things. Um, whereas the content and maybe the person who's a little more theologically, uh, who bends themselves more presence-based, uh, is going to think more about, okay, have I brought the first century into the, into the 21st century? Have I taken the 21st century back to the first century? Have I, am, I, am I illustrating this properly? You know? So there's this dance between content as king or context as king. I don't know about you, uh, some people place one in front of the other. So here's the way I like to say it. I don't believe that the two should exist separate from each other. Okay? I don't believe that content is more important than context, and I don't believe that context is more important than content. You know what it's kind of like? Uh, who's 1A and 1B? Michael or Kobe? And those of you that want to throw LeBron in there or Wilton, okay, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I think they both go hand in hand, you know. This is a real difficult argument. I like to say it this way. Content is king. Context is queen, and it's a beautiful marriage. You know what I mean by that? You can't have one without the other. So when I when I think through that content or context, I don't think it's a or. I think it's and both, both and. Okay, that I'm as concerned about my crowd as I am about the scripture. I'm as concerned about culture as I am scripture. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to check out all of our available resources at youthology.com or any of our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube, all at the handle Jeff Grinnell. Have a great day.